Welcome, friends. We're glad that you're listening and watching our Lenten preaching series in the midst of these uncertain times around coronavirus. One of these things that this sickness has brought about is perspective. We begin to learn what's essential and what we ought to hold loosely. And so our format may be changing from day to day. It may be that we have a preacher come in uh, and we record live uh, and archive that. It may be that they live stream or record a sermon from where they're located, honoring our present schedule. Or it may be that we have a different kind of programming uh, brought to you. Uh, But regardless, we're looking at having something every single day during Lent. Even though uh, things are changing around us, ministry hasn't stopped. And so what we think is absolutely essential is uh, what God has to say about uh, His Word. And we are reminded of this during our Lenten services here on Sundays uh, when we sing from Isaiah chapter 55. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And so without further delay, will you join me in praying for what we are about to hear? Grant to us, Heavenly Father, that the words which we will hear this day with our outward ears may through thy grace be so grafted inwardly in our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruit of good living to the honor and praise of thy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good afternoon and welcome from the Christ Church Cathedral in Plano, Texas. I was greatly humbled when Gil Cracky invited me to be a part of this 113-year-old Lenten preaching tradition. I remember the awe that filled me as a four-year-old student at the Advent Day School, even though I didn't have a clue what any of it was all about. So it seemed remarkable that I would find myself invited to preach in that pulpit some, well, a lot of years later. But it's even more remarkable, however, to find ourselves in this current situation. I regret that I'm unable to be with you in person today, but I commend Dean Pearson, his clergy and staff, and all my fellow preachers for their commitment to continuing this preaching series in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Our reading for today comes from Nehemiah chapter eight, beginning in the first verse. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square of the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. 
and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that all the people understood the reading. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, that my words would be your words, less of me and more of you, that you would be glorified. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember who you are. This is a reminder I give my children any time they leave our house. And now that my boys are teenagers, sometimes they roll their eyes at me and say sarcastically, right mom, like I'm going to come down with a sudden case of amnesia. But I smile and remind whichever child of mine it is to remember who you are. The reason I persist in saying this to my boys is that anytime we wander from home and find ourselves in a different setting around different people, we can develop something like a sudden case of amnesia. We can behave differently, espouse different beliefs, and speak in ways that reflect the environment we find ourselves in more than our own culture. We can forget who we are. Now the nation of Israel experienced this kind of identity crisis during their exile in Babylon, ignoring numerous specific and increasingly dire warnings through God's messengers, the prophets. The nation of Israel had persisted in disobedience and rebellion, choosing the devices and desires of their own hearts over following the one true God. As a result, God allowed Israel to be defeated by the Babylonians and taken into captivity for 70 years, sort of an extended and really unpleasant timeout. Well, in today's reading from Nehemiah, we pick up the narrative after the appointed time for Israel's captivity has ended. The exiles have returned from Babylon, though not in great number. You see, over time, the Israelites had grown comfortable in Babylon, and many found it easier to stay put than to return to their land. But those faithful who had returned saw the walls of their city rebuilt and restored, Godly people appointed to positions of leadership, guards stationed at the walls to protect the city, and a census conducted to account for those who had returned. At the end of chapter 7, we read that when the seventh month had come, all the people of Israel were in their towns. Nehemiah has checked some important boxes necessary for the people to rebuild their lives in the land God had given them. So far, 
It seems the people of Judah are off to a great fresh start. But then we see something incredible happen at the beginning of chapter 8. Once the people of Israel are settled in their towns, they don't dive into their own individual home improvement projects. Rather than running to the Home Depot to look at paint samples, Scripture tells us that the people of Israel gathered together in the square as one man, asking Ezra, the priest and scribe, to read the Book of the Law. Now, the Book of the Law is what we refer to as the Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Bible, given to Moses by God for the people of Israel. And we tend to think of this book as just a list of rules, but let's face it, how many of us would flock to hear just a bunch of rules? When we get a new gadget, we don't even read the instruction manual first. We go straight to the thing itself. The book of the law is for sure Israel's instruction manual for walking with their God, but it is so much more. The book of the law tells the story of who God is, what God has done, and who the Israelites are called to be in him. The law told Israel God loved them so much, he came down to Mount Sinai to make a covenant relationship with them. They would be his people, and he would be their God. Now, it may seem incredible that the first thing the people wanted to do was to hear the word of their Lord, but this was not happenstance. This is where we see the grace of God working in the lives of his people. Our God is a God of justice, so Israel had to be punished for her disobedience. But scripture shows us over and over again that God is simultaneously a God of mercy who always, always seeks to bring his wayward children home. So just as God fulfilled his promise to punish Israel for her grievous sin and rebellion, at the appointed time, he returned the people to their homeland, the land possessed by their ancestors, fulfilling his promise to defeat Babylon and restore Judah. And when God brings the people of Israel home, he stirs up in their hearts a hunger for his word. Now, if I'm being honest, getting all of the people in my house moving out of the door at the same time to get to church is a struggle. Gathering everyone together to read scripture is like herding cats. But here we read that all the people gathered as one man into the square at the water gate. And there are two important things I want to point out here. The first is that this wasn't a couch to 5K situation. Ezra had already been in Jerusalem teaching God's word for about 12 years at this point. It just hadn't gone viral. But the seeds were planted, drawing an entire town to act of their own volition to hear God's word. And the second thing, is that all the people gathered is significant and unusual. In that day, in that culture, it was customary for God's word to be taught in the temple, which meant only men would be able to hear the teaching. 
Even though the temple had been rebuilt, the people gathered in the square at the water gate, allowing everyone to receive God's word, men, women, and even children. Clearly, the Spirit of God was at work in the hearts of his people to move them in agreement at the same time to the same place with the same singular purpose of hearing God's word proclaimed. And in hearing God's word proclaimed, Israel would remember who they are. Now God's grace is also evident in the timing of the exile's return, the completion of the city wall and the other things necessary to get Jerusalem back online. Scripture tells us that the people called on Ezra to read the book of the law at the beginning of the seventh month. In Leviticus 23, we read that God commanded the seventh month to begin with a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. This Feast of Trumpets is more commonly known to us today as Rosh Hashanah or the Jewish New Year. Moreover, it was the beginning of the seventh year in the Israelite calendar and the law required that the scriptures be read aloud at the beginning of every seventh year. But this practice, along with many others, had fallen into neglect. Through his perfect timing, God reminded the Israelites of the rhythm he had established in the law for their lives and worship of him. So it was appropriate that the people should come together for this particular purpose on this particular day. Now, I'd like to unpack the significance of this part of the reading a little more. Each of the feasts commanded by God for the nation of Israel commemorate an event in Israel's history so important that God wanted the people to remember it every single year. So what event was so important that God wanted his people to remember during the Feast of Trumpets? The Feast of Trumpets commemorates God's creation. And the creation story tells the Israelites who they are. They are the pinnacle of God's creation. They are the apple of his eye made in his image to be in relationship with him, to walk with him in the garden in the cool of the day. When Ezra read the book of the law, the returned exiles remembered God's steadfast love and faithfulness for them throughout history. When Ezra read the book of the law, the Israelites remembered who they are. God's chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood set apart from other nations to shine God's light in a dark world. Restored by the word of God, the people of Israel remembered who they are and whose they are. They are his people and he is their God. So what about you? Have you ever come down with a sudden case of amnesia? Have you ever forgotten who you are? We do this, don't we? We forget who we are at the office, 
when we cut a few corners to clinch that big deal, we forget who we are when skipping worship and study becomes the rule for us rather than the exception. We forget who we are when we focus on our circumstances more than our God. We forget who we are. Now, as we struggle to figure out how life works in the midst of this extended and unpleasant timeout imposed on us by this pandemic, will we forget who we are? Our clergy and lay ministers are working tirelessly to ensure that we have resources to support our continued worship and study. And I'm so very thankful for their faithfulness. Nevertheless, because of the precautions necessary to protect ourselves and one another, many vital practices of our Christian life, such as communal worship, celebrating Holy Communion, and gathering to study God's word will unavoidably fall into neglect. And if we're honest, with so many options competing for our hearts, even the practices available to us can slowly fall into neglect. Over time, will we let the other attractions on our devices, social media, Netflix, updates on where to buy toilet paper, become more alluring to us than the digital preaching and teaching prepared for us? Will the lack of separation between home and office tempt us to allow our work into the spaces formerly reserved for individual study, prayer, and time with our families? Will we let uncertainty and fear lead us to seek solace in things that ultimately cannot save us? Will our obsession with what we can't have or what we can't do overshadow what we have in Jesus and what he has done? Will we forget who we are? So what is the word here that God says is for you? How do we remember who we are? Well, to you and to me, his wayward children who wander from him and forget who we are, our Lord says, strain forward and listen attentively for my voice, my word, the word that says that you belong to me, the word that says that you are loved with an infinite love, the word that says God loves you so much that his son came down to keep the covenant for you so that no matter how far you wander or how many times you forget, he will not forget you. When this coronavirus pandemic is over, we, like the Israelites, will have some rebuilding to do to restore our lives to what they were before. But I exhort us all to put any necessary rebuilding of our spiritual lives at the top of our to-do lists. Spiritual rebuilding starts with remembering who we are through the word of God. When we hear the word of God, we remember 
that it is in this story of a rebellious people and a merciful God that we learn who God is and who we are called to be in him. Children of God, remember who you are. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.